Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Thanks for making church a priority way to go. I also want to welcome those of you who are uh, joining us online today as a part of our church and congregation. It's always great to be able to welcome you. We know that you're out there and dialed in, so uh, welcome to you as well. And what John just said about Easter, biggest, you know, one of the biggest years in the calendar year for especially churches and people actually begin thinking about God and life during Christmas and Easter and they are open once again perhaps to an invitation. So here's my challenge. Find your courage. Grab one of these cards or a couple of these cards and just begin praying this week that God would give you an opportunity and God will do this. He'll bring someone across your pathway, and it doesn't have to be awkward. Sometimes it is a little awkward, but just pray that God will give you that opportunity, and then find your courage and say, hey, I'd love to have you join us at Easter, and just see what God does. Uh, we are in a series called Come and See, because when people met Jesus in the Bible, they were never the same after that. They would often run home or run home to their family or friends, and they would say, come and see a man who restored my sight who healed my daughter, saw right through to my soul, forgave my sins, but there were others who met Jesus and completely missed him. And this can happen to us. Couldn't believe he was the Messiah, God in the flesh, and so, and so they missed him. I was on a flight uh, from Minneapolis to Missoula, Montana last fall to do some elk hunting. My friend Fred Martin was with me, and after we found our seats, Fred you know, nudged me in the ribs and very casually said, hey, that's, that's David Brooks. Now, Brooks, many of you don't know this perhaps, is a New York Times columnist, best-selling author, brilliant writer, speaks all over the world. And for those of you who don't read, it'd be like having pink on the plane. <laughs> or Lady Gaga, something like that. But Fred said, that's David Brooks. And I looked up at him as he passed my seat and I said, no, it's not. Fred said, yeah, I think that's him. In fact, I'm sure of it. I said, no, that's not him. I said, what would David Brooks be doing on a flight to Missoula, no man's land, Montana? He said, I don't know, but I'm almost positive that's him. Look him up on Google. And so I did. And I said, I think you're right. I got to go find out. So I walked back, tapped him on his arm. He kind of jumped. And I said, excuse me, are you David Brooks? He said, yes. I said, you're kidding me. I said, I've read your columns. I loved your book, The Road to Character. And he was a very extreme introvert, very nerdy. Could tell he didn't want to be bothered. He was buried in a book, taking notes. You know, most people are doing Sudoku or games. And it's like, whatever. That's fine if you do that. But man, he's buried in, his, you know, in this book. And I, I thought, I just got to take a shot with this guy. I said, look, I said, uh, you don't know me, I don't know you, but I showed him the cover of my, my third book coming out in August, and I said, would you be willing to endorse my book? And by the way, we're very excited about this, done with that. Have you ever said this? I'm just done with that. Well, this book's gonna talk about that, escaping the struggle of your old life. So I showed him the cover of this book. I said, would you be willing to endorse it? He looked at me like, who are you? <laughs> and he said, no. <laughs> okay. But he said, I'd love to read it if you send me a copy. My point is this, that David Brooks was sitting six rows behind me, and I totally missed him. Totally dismissed the fact that this brilliant, best-selling author and columnist would be sitting on our plane. But what if you all knew that Jesus Christ is sitting here today, six rows behind you, or six rows in front of you, or even in the seat next to you? 
And what if you knew that he wants to speak to you, touch you in some way, heal you of something during these next few minutes? Guess what? I believe he does. He wants to speak to every one of us and touch our lives in some way in these next few minutes, including myself. I was on another flight seven years ago. I was the last guy off the plane in New York City because my seat was way back by the toilets. is where my seat always is. It was about midnight and had to catch a cab and get into a hotel and get some sleep. So got off the plane, last guy off the plane, ran through the corridors to baggage claim, passing everybody up that was on my plane, jumped on, there were two big escalators going down to baggage, jumped on one escalator side by side and riding on the escalator right next to me was Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. And I was trying to run down and I stopped. And I said, are you Mick Jagger? Direct quote, not today I'm not. <laughs> I said, yes, you are. <laughs> and he smiled and his entourage just, you know, uh, whisked him away along with security. Never saw him again after that. David Brooks, here's my point, wouldn't help me. Mick Jagger wouldn't speak to me. But Jesus will always help you and he'll always speak to you. But I'm telling you, it's easy to miss him. Easy to come to church and miss them completely. And my prayer is that we won't miss Jesus today. That no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter if you feel afraid or lonely or a little down about something, a conflict in your life, that Jesus will meet every single one of us here today and online as well. Today, speak to us and restore us in the deepest part of our soul because I'm telling you, if you meet Jesus today, he will help you through all your tomorrows. One of the images Jesus used to describe the relationship that he wants to have with every one of us is that of a good shepherd to his sheep. And so we find this in John 10 and Jesus is teaching this. He says, look, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. Sheep are us. They hear the shepherd's voice, Jesus, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them. And after he gathers his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they, here it is again, they recognize his voice. He says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them, they follow me, I give them eternal life, and no one can snatch them out of my hands. Very interesting, the Bible talks more about sheep than any other animal. Mentions cattle 131 times, dogs 41 times, eagles 26 times. Wanna know how many times the Bible mentions cats? Zero. Cats are not in the Bible. You can look it up. Cats were a mistake. God regrets them. But sheep and shepherds are in the Bible about 500 times because they tell us something, sheep do, about the human condition. That sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need someone to care for them. They need guidance. Sheep tend to make bad decisions, and we, we are that way. It's why the prophet Isaiah said, all we like sheep, 
Every single one of us, including me, especially me, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've wandered off the path. We're just that way. I was listening to John Ortberg tell a true story that happened a few years ago to a flock of sheep in a village in eastern Turkey, and there was a flock of sheep whose shepherd was not with them. The lead sheep actually went off a cliff, and guess what the rest of the sheep did? You know, you would think one of them would have said, you know, I don't know about this. Uh, Everybody's going off the cliff. Nobody's coming back. Maybe I should think this through before I mindlessly just go off. Sheep don't think this way. Sheep think, well, Sally went. Pete went. I guess I'll go. Doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. Sorry sorry about that. And I'm telling you, we, we can be that way. Can't we? Live overstressed, hurried, exhausted, no margin in our lives. Everyone else is. Guess I'll go off that cliff. Flirt with a temptation or an addiction that we know will harm us. Neglect God and the disciplines of prayer and solitude until my soul shrivels up. Sure, I'll go over that cliff. Gang, Jesus knew all of this about human beings. We're told in the Bible when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. All of us, every single one of us needs a shepherd. It may sting our pride a little bit that we need someone to shepherd us, but the truth is everyone has a shepherd. In fact, Ortberg goes on to say, your shepherd is whoever or whatever you're counting on to take care of you and get you through life. Your job might be your shepherd. You're counting on your job to get you through everything in life. Maybe it's your 401k, your retirement from that. That's your shepherd. Maybe it's your fraternity. And you're just counting on your fraternity or sorority. That's your shepherd. Or your success. Or, or your March Madness pick is your shepherd, by the way, if you're wondering who God is rooting for, it's Virginia. (laughs) Certainly not Duke. Certainly not Michigan State. If you're voting, you're rooting, voting, good grief. If you're rooting for one of those teams, you are a sheep without a shepherd. (laughs) But did you see the game last night? Virginia was unbelievable. Okay. But we all have a shepherd. And we all have something we are counting on to take care of us, to get us through life. So here's my challenge. Choose your shepherd carefully. Because when you walk through the shadow of the the valley of the shadow of death, and you will, your job, your money, or your sports team will not shepherd you there. Here's the good news. (laughs) If you want it, you can have Jesus Christ as your good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep actually recognize my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. Nobody can take them out of my hands. But like I said, it's really easy to miss him and miss hearing his voice and wander off and get lost. A few weeks ago, I I got an email from a student who attends the University of Wisconsin-Madison, an elite school 
academically, but not morally. And those of you who are students have heard me say this before, I care deeply about you. I, I do. I pray for the students in our country today. If you're a student here today or watching online, the pressures on your life are extreme. To manage class loads, work part-time jobs, deal with partiers that wreak havoc, havoc on sleep and study, deal with, you know, get bombarded by a secular worldview that has absolutely no room for God these days. I'm actually quite angry over what our universities are doing to our nation's youth. I am. Don't get me wrong, I love March Madness. I love the ACC, the Big Ten. I attended Penn State. Uh, my son daughter, uh, attended, did his grad work at UVA, University of Virginia. My daughter did her grad work at the University of Minnesota. So I'm all for education. And I'm grateful, by the way, for some of our nation's coaches who are leading student athletes in the areas of character and faith. Coaches like Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, who's just a tremendous Christian leader, national champions this year. Tony Bennett at Virginia, you'll be watching him in the final, final four, wonderful Christian man. Brad, Brad Frost, who coaches perennial champions at the University of Minnesota in hockey. I'm so grateful for many of our faculty and staff who are just holding the line with their faith if you're at one of our universities, way to go. That's where you need to be. God's using you there. But I just need to add a gentle warning. If you are a parent who's thinking of sending your 17-year-old off to one of our nation's universities, you do so at great risk to their moral well-being. I could stand up here and list a dozen uh, schools, other schools that still stand for God, truth, and character but our nation's universities do not. I want you to know, if you're a student, I pray for you. I pray for your protection, because if you're a Christian at any one of our secular universities, you are under attack. And the pressure to walk off a cliff with all the other sheep is constant on your life, and so I pray for you. So Jake, from University of Madison, uh, wrote me, and he gave me permission to share what he wrote with all of you, because he said it this way, if just one other person can benefit from my story, it'll be, worth, it'll be worth telling. Just a couple weeks ago, I received this. Dear Pastor Merritt, I was raised by two wonderful parents who love Christ. I also committed my life to Jesus, got baptized, and now attend one of the best universities in the country. The environment, school, and sports are all fantastic, but I also suffered some of the darkest years of my life here. My first year was full of spiritual and intellectual development, but also of loneliness. I had few friends and became depressed, but I didn't want to admit that I was becoming someone who struggled with my mental health, so I buried it and rarely turned to Jesus. Sophomore year, though I was very skeptical of fraternities and my parents warned me against it, I joined thinking I could make a difference for Christ. I even led a Bible study, but eventually the pressures of Greek life overwhelmed me, and I got sucked into the exact scene that I wanted to avoid. I started drinking for the first time in my life, and heavily. I started living a double life. I'd lead Bible study on Mondays, grind through schoolwork during the week, and then drink Thursday through Sunday, which is very common, very common. 
on all of our university campuses. They start on Thursdays, Thirsty Thursday, all the way through Sunday. I was getting drunk every weekend and making bad decisions. During this time, I met a girl who was pursuing Jesus with all her heart, kind, humble, and incredible. But I blew it. I got drunk one night and went home with another girl. I ruined my relationship with her and ruined my credibility as a Christian leader for others. I was at rock bottom. I broke someone's heart as well as my own. After this horrible mistake, I renewed my commitment to following Jesus wholeheartedly. I'm working my way back to him through prayer and reading his word, and I'm beginning to heal. I'm devastated that God gave me such an awful wake-up call, but despite all that's happened, I'm hopeful to be healed and changed. I'm completely humbled. I need his love and want it more than anything. I read your book, Get Wise, last year, and I'm reading it again because I desperately need wisdom. And I pray that God answers my prayer, heals my heart, and gives me a new start. So proud of that kid. I invited Jake and his two sisters to meet me after the service last week, Emma and Jessica, and I told them, I said, Jake, I'm so proud of you. Everybody makes mistakes. All we like sheep go astray. Every single one of us make mistakes. But you recognized it. And you turned around and you repented and confessed and you're on a new path and I'm cheering for you. And what I believe, gang, what I believe saved this young man, hear me now, is that he was familiar with the shepherd's voice ahead of time. He grew up listening to the shepherd's voice through the influence of his parents who led him to church and Sunday school every single week. So when he temporarily lost his way and the shepherd came calling for him, he recognized that voice. He knew that voice and he knew enough to turn around. Had he not had that upbringing, who knows where he'd end up. So I wanna ask all of you today, do you know the shepherd's voice? Can you hear it over all the other voices that are clamoring for your attention? Whose voice or voices are guiding you in all the decisions you have to make and your kids have to make about relationships and beliefs and habits and life? There is a good shepherd who will lead you through life and lead you by love if you will let him. I want to make two observations real quick from John chapter 10 that I think are essential to hearing the shepherd's voice. And the first one is this. The shepherd knows the names of his sheep. Those who have faith in Christ, he knows your name. He calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them. It means that Jesus knows his sheep personally. There's a personal relationship with him. And is that true for all of you? I love that it says he calls us by name. He doesn't say, hey, you. Because <laughs> when someone calls you by name, it means that they know you personally. And by the way, just for fun, uh, there's a book out there who researched odd names. <laughs> I want to just show you a few odd names that Paul Dickinson found in his book. 
Phoebe Beebe, April Rainey, Adeline Dingledine, <laughs> Seymour Butts. What's wrong with parents? He found a counselor called Wonderfully, Wonderfully Trembly. No way would I go see that guy. And no way would I go see a urologist named Dr. P.P. P. Peters. No way on this planet would I go see that guy. I have a very plain name, as most of you know. And over the years, people who know me personally have given me nicknames. And so my, my nephew, Andrew, who's attending the Woodbury campus today, calls me Hank. And there's a reason for that. It's, it's kind of tender behind it, but he calls me Hank. My friend Bill Butters calls me Bullet. I actually love that name, Bullet Bob. My brother calls me Robert, only he doesn't say Robert. He says, Robert. And it's, a, it's just John. I know it's him. I can be anywhere in the world. And I, know, I know it's John. Two of my sisters call me Bobby. Nobody other, on the planet, nobody else calls me that, but my, two of my sisters. My mom calls me three different things. She calls me Honey, my dearest son, and my sweet, sweet boy. I'm not that sweet, but she thinks I am, and so I love when she does that. Another friend of mine, Scott, calls me Roberto, and I know it's him. My grandkids call me Bubba, and my kids call me dad. They do not call me the old man. If they do, they're out of our will. They know it. That is not allowed in our house. It's a sign of disrespect on a lot. My point is, I can be in a crowded arena, crowded room, halfway around the world, but when these people, any of these people use my name or I hear my nickname, I instantly know who it is. Instantly. They know my name. I know their voice. The connection is immediate because we have a personal relationship. Do you have that with Christ? Many of you know about my dog, Blue. I love him. And one of the things he loves to do is go to the dog park. And this place is chaotic, and it's got its own dog culture, and inappropriate things happen there sometimes, but he loves going. And I want to show you a clip because it can be totally chaotic, 30 different dogs, but he knows his name when I call it. And he knows my voice. Watch this just for fun, real quick. Come on, Blue. Come on. Oh, boy. Ready? Ready? Sit. Good boy. Okay. Come on. Hey. Come on. <laughs> He's got to water the trees. I'll tell you what, they're going to be filthy. Look at him. What are you doing? What are you doing? Get out of there. Come on. Right in the mud. Hey, get out of there. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yuck. I gotta go wash my hands. Okay, it's time to go. Let's see if this will work. Blue. Come on, boy. 
He knows his name. Yeah, a good boy. Oh, see? Works like a charm. He's a good boy. Gratuitous clap. That's nice. <laughs> if you're one of his sheep, he knows your name. And when you hear him call your name, you know it's him. Because you know each other personally through prayer and Bible reading, through worship. He speaks to you by his spirit, doesn't he? He comforts you in your fears. He walks beside you through your darkest moments. He knows you. Second observation about knowing, <clears throat> hearing Jesus' voice, proximity really matters. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. They come to him. It's kind of, it's kind of an obvious duh thing to say, but if a sheep wanders too far away from the shepherd, it'll have a hard time hearing the shepherd's voice. And the question that rises is how, how close are we to the shepherd? Are you within earshot of him at all times or are you so far off the path you can't hear him at times? Are you in close proximity to the shepherd by praying a simple prayer every morning? Jesus, thank you for this new day. Thank you for this gift. I invite you to lead me through this day. Speak to me. Fill me with your spirit. Really hard to hear the shepherd's voice if the first thing we do each morning is turn on the television or check emails. Now, if you've got three little kids, you kind of get a pass, but because they're like, ugh. <laughs> you know, I, I can't hear anything. But then how close are you to other sheep who also know the shepherd's voice? Because God will speak through other believers. And you'll know it's his voice. And then, you know, are you at a great church every week? Are you hearing God's voice through a great church? Or are you hit and miss and wandering away? You know, one of the best things as I thought about hearing the shepherd's voice that has helped me, especially in recent weeks, almost more than anything else, is memorizing scripture. And I got out of that habit for a while, but I'm getting back into that habit and for example, I've been re-memorizing Psalm 23 and repeating it each night as I lay in bed before I fall asleep. And, the, and it's actually a very difficult psalm to memorize, but it's so rich. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God, I don't need to be stressful, you're my shepherd. You know, allow me to sleep well tonight. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And there he restores my soul. Anybody here need your soul to be restored? He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we all will, I will fear no evil for you are with me, Jesus. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's a picture of God, you know, laying this table of food before us and welcoming us to it, but it's in the presence of enemies, which means we all have them. We all have enemies. Don't invite them to your table. Don't. It's a stupid thing to do. But God will oftentimes prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies to know that, hey, we're in this together. We're going to get through this, 
In fact, I'm going to anoint your head with oil as you sit at this table. It's, it's a signal of God's presence, his spiritual presence, until your cup overflows with my power and my spirit. You can get through this situation with your enemies. Surely then, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever when that day comes. Every single day putting it to memory so that I don't have to have a Bible or a nap or whatever. I can, it, just, it just washes over my soul and reminds me, the shepherd's with me. How close are you to the shepherd these days? Through memory work, memorizing his words. My dad was one of my heroes in life, great leader, great pastor, taught me how to hunt and fish, but mostly how to be a man. Before he died at age 72, he was struggling with Alzheimer's, but one of the things he loved to do was to hunt grouse. And so I thought, I gotta get up to his house, his cabin, mom and dad's cabin on Lake Mille Lacs and see if I can take my dad hunting one more time. Took him to a familiar woods near his old deer stand. He knew this woods backwards and forwards. But I said, Dad, stay within eyesight of me. I gave him very specific instructions. I said, go here, go there, don't go there. I said, Dad, you know which way is north? Do you have your compass? Do you know how to get back to the truck if we get separated? It was one of the saddest moments of my life to watch my dad wander away from me and not know where he was going. The strong leader, good to my mom, great dad to us kids. At one point, I actually lost sight of him and I panicked and I yelled, Dad, where are you? Dad, where are you? And I went crashing through the tag alder brush and to the direction I last saw him yelling and just hoping I'd see him. Finally, I saw him just, just drifting. I caught up with him. I said, Dad, you can't wander off like that. Do you hear me? Do you understand? And he didn't even know. He was in danger. Didn't even know he was lost and heading off a cliff. And I knew I was losing him. My hunting companion, my leader, my friend, my dad. I've thought about this story many times. And one of the things that I have, I just hope you catch this that I've learned the most dangerous thing about not being close to the shepherd and not hearing his voice is that you can be in danger and not even know it. You can be heading for a cliff and not even know you're in danger of losing your reputation or your career, in danger of losing a son or daughter or a marriage, just go wandering off and not even know it. And if that's you today, if you've wandered off or in danger of losing something, I want you to know that the shepherd today is calling for you. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. They come to him. He calls them by name. He leads them. So if you've wandered off, here's what I'd say to you. Come back. Confess your sins. 
Go back to the shepherd who loves you and wants to help you and protect you, and then don't wander off again. Stay close to him at all times through prayer and worship and Bible memory. And then I just want to give you one final thing. This verse says, he calls them by name. <laughs> Love this. And he leads them. Dang. Jesus wants to lead you. He wants to be your ever-present friend. He'll never leave you. He wants to guide you through your life. It doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen. Bad things happen to all of us. But it means that you'll never have to face those things alone. That the shepherd will guide you through it. You'll come out on the other end. And then when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we all will, the good shepherd says, I give my sheep eternal life and no one can take them out of my hands. So final question, do you know the shepherd? Do you know him personally? Does he know your name? When he calls your name, do you recognize his voice? Is there a personal relationship with Jesus who loves you, redeems you, offers forgiveness and eternal life? If you've wandered from him, if all the other voices have crowded out his voice, the shepherd is calling your name today. You're not here by accident. You're not joining us online by accident. Let him love you. Let him save you. Let him forgive you and redeem your life. If you do, the good shepherd will give you a new life, an eternal life, and nobody will ever be able to mess with that. So as we close at all campuses, just stay seated. Let me pray a prayer over you and online as well. God, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you that you are the good shepherd. You care for us. And we like sheep, all of us go astray. Even those of us who are believers, we make a mess sometimes. You wall around the mud just like my dog. But I still love him. As messy and as smelly as he is sometimes. I forgive him every time. And God, that's what you do. Some of us are such a mess. And we screw it up all the time. You still love us and you're still willing to forgive us if we ask and you take us home clean us up God I pray that every one of us will evaluate today where we stand with you are we close to you Jesus do we have a personal relationship with you goes beyond attending church, putting on a smile, but it's personal. If not, God, I pray that you will do a work in all of our lives as we leave this place today. We love you and praise you and worship you in this moment. In Christ's name, amen. God bless all of you. Thanks for being with us today.